Hello and welcome back to A Better World. What a wonderful, warm welcome by Beethoven. Nice change of things, isn't it? At a time of world change as well as national change. We'll be discussing that at greater length today with David Katzmeyer, the formulator of Calorhythms. We've had David on the show before talking about this very interesting discovery he made and uncovering, if you will, of the fundamental, you could say, macrobiorhythms of the world, of the country, of the planet, maybe even of the universe. And it's a large, large, interesting model that I have personally gotten a lot from by following these trends. And in today's times, perhaps more than ever, that's a bold statement, and it might not even be true, but it feels that being able to sort of forecast and see into the future with some level of accuracy is something we could really use right now, seeing as that our planet is besieged by the issues confronting it, such as global warming, the issues of extreme weather and climate change, not to mention the social, economic, and political disposition of so many countries and the interconnectedness of all of these different nations and how do we all get along, perhaps the, the quality and the virtue of cooperation is more important than ever since we are just a button away, as they say, from some kind of possible nuclear disaster. And that is even the rhetoric that's inside our news media, unfortunate as that may be. And having any kind of handle, any kind of lever that could help us gain some access to the way things go and why there are certain kinds of cycles where certain kinds of subjects become more important, more pressing, more immediate, and others recede is, well, the domain of today's show called Calorhythms. And I'm very glad to invite David Katzmeyer back onto the A Better World Airwaves because he brings so much, and it's always so interesting for all to hear what he has to say. So, David, welcome back to A Better World. A pleasure to have you, my friend. Thank you, Rachel. Glad to be here. Well, I gave a bit of an introduction to some of what you do and what you've conceived, and I'd love to really dive in and take a look at what is this thing called calorhythms, i.e., what was the nature of its birth, no pun intended, ha ha, he he, wink wink, and you can uh, maybe expound upon that a little bit, and then we'll get into some of what is going on kind of today and what we might see for the next year, two years, five years, ten. So how does that sound? Thank, thank you for that question, Mitchell. Yes, uh, there's an old saying that history is like a merry-go-round and that there are cycles in history. But we know that, but we haven't really gotten a single theory that says this is the cycle of history and it moves in so many years and this is what we can expect so why haven't we ever heard anything like that and i believe it's far well, what more we complex. have heard just to interject a 
bit of that is yeah. the work of Spengler and the work of Toynbee that have these historians have brought to bear the idea of there being a seasons of history, so to speak, and a certain movement and trend that is followable and identifiable. So there are ideas that have been in circulation like that. But I, honestly, I think that what you're dealing with here, what you've formulated yourself is in a sense a little bit more sophisticated and refined than that. Yes, it builds on these premises that have long been known. Take, for instance, uh, Spengler. He believed that a civilization will go through stages of development like a person. It will have a birth and go through a childhood and then move into adolescence have an adulthood, a period of senescence, and even a death. And when Spengler spoke like that, he was comparing the life stages of a civilization with the life stages of a single person. And that's a fascinating concept because with that, you're looking at civilization as having a life, almost as if it were a life form. But of mm -hmm. course a civilization will go through those stages over great many years, much longer than that of a single person. So what you're seeing is stages of a person in a civilization, but only on grander scales of size and time. Yet they are the same stages. And because of that, there is a fractal correlation between what we find inside of ourselves and what we find in a civilization. So that's when you go from personal level to the world level. And it isn't just that correlation that we can find. We can find that same correlation for each and every nation within the world community. Every single nation goes through its stages of being born. The United States is thought of as being a young country uh, because it is some um, 250 years old approaching, and as opposed to many older nations of Africa and Europe. And so we are thought China, of behaving India, like that. China, Tibet, oh, boy, Australia. China India. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, so there are stages of development as we go through our life course from birth to death. But what happens along the way? Now, Toynbee talks about seasons of history. There are indeed seasons of history. And now we're drawing in a correlation of the changes within a year and different stages of a cycle. And if we determine that we have cycles within us, and that nations and the world community are going to have cycles within it, within them, because of a fractal correlation between a person and a nation and the world, then we can look at what are these cycles? What are the cycles within a nation? What are the cycles of the entire uh, history of the world? And so we must look within ourselves for those answers as well. Hence, the fascinating discovery of biorhythms. We have found that there are biorhythms within us that are moving from the time that we are born. Uh, there are three main biorhythms 
that are studied, which are the physical cycle, the emotional cycle, and the intellectual cycle. Three different cycles, all moving at the same time. One influencing us on how much physical energy we have. Do we want to go out and play sports or do we want to sit by the fireside and read a book? An emotional energy. Mm -hmm. Are we upbeat, outgoing, or would we rather, you know, be more inward and pull up the drawbridge? An intellectual uh, cycle, which was studied by, was discovered by two separate college professors who found that uh, for any given one student, they might test better at uh, same, around the same time of the month uh, and test not quite as well around the same time of the month because there was a 33-day cycle there. And uh, different people discovered these different cycles, put them all together, and found that there are physical, emotional, intellectual biorhythms in a person, and I took it from there. In other words, yeah, well, thank you for that. Uh, I'm reminded of the uh, great scholar and teacher through whose workshop you and I originally met back in the early 1990s uh, of Terence McKenna, who spoke about the topography of time and the topography of experience. So that gives uh, an idea that is beyond the linear, that every day is the same as another day throughout a week or throughout a month. They are different. And, you know, of course, this is an ancient idea. This is not something he discovered or that's new. But it was a different way of stating that, Mondays have the energy of the moon, and Tuesdays have the energy of what is what is Tuesday? Mars, Mars. It, would Mar be Mars. it is Mars. Okay, and so yes. on and on throughout the the week, Saturn day, etc. And in other words, each day has its own quality, as each person on each day has his or her own quality, as every nation has his or her own quality on a given day in a given location. So you've got these sort of spinning balls or that merry-go-round effect that you spoke of earlier, David, and we see that yeah. there, is, there are these interactions in between these variables that are constantly in motion. And one of the main uh, facets of what I feel you have come up with here, and I really want to hear you uh, talk about this, is how the different trends, the cycle of the intellect, the cycle of the emotions, the cycle of the physical, and the cycle of the spirit all intersect and move up and down in a, kind of a, along a grid type of thing that ultimately shows us the qualities of our lives in a given geographical location. They constantly move in their upward and downward patterns as an integrated part of a complex system. These cycles begin at birth. We have in us biorhythms that begin on the day that we're born, and there is a physical cycle 23 days going up and down. There's an emotional cycle of 33, uh, excuse me, 28 days. The 28-day emotional cycle moves up and down in us, and the intellectual cycle moves up and down every 33 days. So here we are, a 23-day cycle, a 28-day cycle, and a 33-day cycle, each one affecting different parts of the self. So you can't say that there is necessarily a cycle uh, moving within us. There are numerous ones 
moving mm-hmm. within us. And at, on any given day, they could be in all these different combinations. You can have one high, another low. You can have the majority. You can have all of them high or all of them low and so forth. Well, so it is for the nations in which we live. We seem to have uh, somewhat uproaring times in a nation's history and rather more subdued times in others. I believe it's because of the, in part, because of the internal rhythms that are moving within that nation. And within us, we, the individuals comprising that nation. You know, it's interesting uh, that a nation would uh, take on our form when we are actually like cells in a great organism. So there is a fractal relationship. We create in our own image. And so a nation full of people is going to behave like a person. But because grander institutions are slower to change, the patterns that we see in ourselves are going to be replicated in the nations that consist of us only in grander scales of size and time. Right. So it's sort of like the Titanic instead of a a rowboat, if you will, or better, a speedboat. But how did you come up with those particular uh, lengths, durations of each of those respective cycles? Did you reverse engineer it? Did you lay that map on history and, you know, sort of like what Terrence McKenna did and with his um, zero point novelty study, you know, and he took his system, laid it back on history to see if novelty occurred at the times that he predicted it. And I'm wondering if you did something similar. It was uh, more of looking at the cycles themselves first and then uh, correcting and corroborating their durations from looking into history after that. Um, I was looking at their their elements about what is it true about us when we're looking in longer terms than 23 days and how can that apply to a nation because you have a grander scale of things. And there are clues in our bodies. We have a seven-year cycle called the septennial cycle uh, in which cells will replace themselves and that uh, such a vast majority of cells will have been replaced in a span of seven years. And there were other things that I found corroborating with multiples of seven related to physical. So it had an anchor, a possible anchor point that things might be related to a seven-year uh, directly or seven-year multiples um, and things related to physical, emotional. This became a bit more vague. Uh, when you look at relationships and marriages and even musical groups, it's often that they go through a nine-year cycle of really uh, going through a close relationship and on the 10th year, they might separate. The most common uh, time for a divorce to happen is on the 10th year. That's because you've gone through a nine-year cycle. And I first started looking at the nine-year cycle because of a friendly disagreement I have with a close friend who was talking about numerology, and he was saying that you could add up the digits of the day of the month and find, a, like if it's a 31st, you add up three and a one, that equals a four. And I said, oh, so the 30th before that was a three, right? Yeah. And the 29th with, before that was a two and, a, and so on. 
And I said, okay, so you're going one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I found that they go through nine. And I said, okay, it's a 34, so that's a, that's a four. What happens the first day of the next month? Well, that's a one. Well, you just went one, two, three, four, one. And you broke the nine pattern. So I said, I don't mm-hmm. think that our calendar would work like that. And numerology as it's being applied simply doesn't work. So I started looking at the history of that and found that it was based on a cycle of nine. And I started looking at relationships. Um, and so now I had an anchor point of nine looking at, uh, intellectually, uh, you look at the electromagnetic properties of the sun, which has an 11 year sunspot cycle. And you consider that the bioelectric, uh, properties of the mind, uh, are going to mm-hmm. be influenced by this. This and other reasons I had a basis of 11. So here I am. That's a long way of saying there were clues that suggest that things physical were seven things, emotional were nine things, intellectual were 11. So I looked at, could there be a seven year, nine year, 11 year cycles in history? And I looked, no. (laughs) Okay. So are you suggesting, you know, you could kind of, the things that are related to birth dates are frequently thought to be astrological in nature or numerological in nature. Both are mathematical. How would yes. you see calorithms corresponding to either or both? When you're looking at the zodiac and you're counting uh, when were you born, you're looking at the cycles without. You're looking at the cycles around you in the celestial bodies. And you're saying mm-hmm. that these cycles were already in existence. Where were you on the day that you began your life through birth? Um, and where, is, where were the cycles around you? But in the case of biorhythms, you're looking at a clockwork of cycles that are internal and that they begin from point zero on the day that you're born. So that if um, you're born on one day and somebody else is born on a different day, those two people will have different uh, natal charts in astrology. But the durations of their internal rhythms will be exactly the same, but they won't be in sync with each other because they were born on different days. However, they will both have a 23-day, 28-day, and a 33-day cycle moving within their bodies. So one's Mm -hmm. internal and the other is external. Mm -hmm. It's the same with a nation. Um, Yeah. A nation... The comes into being. It has a birth, if you will. Uh, in the case of our nation, it's rather easy to determine the birth of the United States. It was the American Revolution. That was the birth pangs of a new nation. And cycles began their clockwork of internal rhythms, of moving the trends of our society, our collective consciousness, a new collective consciousness, from that time on. And they were moving in so many years, moving us physically, moving us emotionally, and moving us intellectually as a nation. I had the job of trying to find out what are these durations. And I chose to stay with perceived anchor points of things physical seven years, emotional nine years, intellectual 11 years. And I found that looking for a map of time with those durations, it did not match history. And I was not going to commit eisegesis. So that was that reverse engineering idea that I was using that we, you took an idea, you took a hypothesis and laid it down Mm -hmm. on 
the historical record to see was there a correlation? Ah, not really. And then you fine-tuned and refined from there. Yeah, and uh, the reverse engineering uh, what led to the answer because um, because I, I the perfection of the universe, how many mathematical equations have things squared and things cubed and everything. I decided to work with multiples. And so I multiplied these durations instead of seven, nine, eleven. I worked with a fourteen, eighteen, twenty-two. That didn't work. I did it times three, so I did uh, twenty-one, uh, twenty-seven, thirty-three. That didn't work. And then I did it by four. And I looked for durations of twenty-eight years physical, thirty-six years emotional, and forty-four years intellectual, and that so very much fit the pattern and what I had to go back and realize hand in glove hand in glove to a remarkable degree so when I had 7, 9 and 11 I did not have the durations of cycles I had discovered their quarters and that is significant mm-hmm. because as Toynbee spoke of seasons um, and uh, Spengler spoke of seasons um, and other historians have made the correlations between a person and society and uh, the year, the natural year in society, uh, Giovanni Bautista and others. We're finding that not only do cycles have highs and lows, but they go through four seasons of development, four stages of development. When you start things new, when you improve on what you started, when you cut back and review what you've done, when you break away from the past and experiment with things never tried. And these four stages development, like four seasons of the year, are found as each cycle goes through its seasons in time. So here we are. We have a nation, every nation, has cycles within it as we have biorhythms within us. And they are affecting the the nation in terms of what we can consider to be physical, what we can consider to be emotional, and what we can consider to be intellectual aspects of a nation. And we can talk about Mm -hmm. what they are, if you wish. Well, what I would like to do is dig into our nation, the United States of America, even though we have people Mm -hmm. listening from Australia and Spain and Canada and all over the place, which uh, everyone would like to know, since the United States is at least at this point remaining a leader uh, in many ways, at least economically, um, and our choices here impact everyone in ways that other nations don't necessarily impact everyone to the same degree. They impact because that's the butterfly effect. I mean, that's just the nature of the interdependence in reality. But when, since you and I live here, I would love, and so many of our listeners do, to look at what is what you call an emotional upswing or downturn and passing the median line and what that means in some very actual, uh, like, what's happening now. And I want to just preface this David, by saying to our audience that David has had this uncanny ability because of calorithms to predict with, with stunning accuracy, with just a few exceptions, 
who would be uh, elected as president over the course of, my God, you'll correct me now, some 20, 25 years and with virtually pinpoint accuracy. And when he was wrong, there were reasons that he could explain using algorithms. You could say, ho, 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 of course, we can all explain. No, but there are actually very technical reasons that would have thrown off his accuracy. But the track record is stunning. And that's why I would like you to talk about what's going on here now, because we're facing such difficult, challenging times. At moments, even, it seems like we're not going to kind of get through it as a species. Other species, yes, but not the human. So please tell. Well, I uh, was started calling presidential elections in 1980, and in the span of 36 years, I missed one, 2012. I thought Mitt Romney was going to be the next president, uh, and I thought that uh, President Obama was not going to win re-election. That proved to not be true. And uh, the I dismissed that because I was wrong. Now, there were some natural disasters that really uh, had something to do with it at the time, doesn't change the fact that I made a wrong prediction, but Hurricane mm-hmm. Sandy came in. Uh, Romney, uh, my perception, was playing his campaign very safe, trying not to stray too far from the middle and appeal to uh, swing voters, uh, undecided voters, uh, not get, uh, not to polarize uh, the campaign too much. Uh, he thought his best advantage was to play it safe, and then he was going to come on strong late. Uh, and the end game mm-hmm. and try to uh, run around uh, criticism of the press, make his impression just before the election and pick up the undecided. And along comes Hurricane Sandy and his end game strategy had uh, was completely not to make a pun, but they had the wind uh, drawn out of it because um, everything went into the news there. Uh, it was very important. We were at a crisis um, Governor Christie and uh, President Obama really worked together very well with a lot of people that needed help at that time. Uh, the headlines were just took away the end game. So mm-hmm. there you are. Um, and but as far as every other one, including the the last one of 2016, I did pre- predict correctly, so I missed one. But um, mm-hmm. well, congratulations. Now, if you would, let's first let everyone know you are listening to A Better World with Mitchell J. Rabin. We are on every Wednesday at 6 p.m. and sometimes throughout the rest of the week as well. But, of course, I know most of you listen in archive at your own sweet time, and that's all well and good. You can find our radio archive available either at Blog Talk Radio or at www.com abetterworld.tv along with a detailed description in the newsletter where there's also a link and David Katzmeyer has been intimately involved in the helping me do those newsletters over the course of many, many years. We've passed through many emotional, intellectual, and physical, spiritual cycles together during the mapping of these of these newsletters for a long time. And if you would like to receive it, please go to our website, abetterworld.tv, in the right-hand column. You can just click and sign up and become part of a better world family, a better world community, they're free, and we announce both our radio show guest, when there is one, which is oftentimes the case, or me speaking and with the audience, 
and our Monday evening, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here in New York City TV show, Community Cable TV. We've been on every week since 1993, and we'd love for you to tune in and be part And thanks so much for joining. It's such a pleasure to be able to speak with you and share this rich material with you every single week. So today's show is focused on this subject called calorithms, which is really looking at the natural rhythms, the natural cycles that my dear friend and colleague David Katzmeyer has very specifically identified and mapped in a way that we can follow and follow into the future so we get a sense of what's next and that's where we are right now folks in today's show david what's next well uh we were talking about what is physical in a nation what is emotional in a nation and what is intellectual because the notion is is that these things are moving in cycles now we can say in a person that we have cycles moving within us in the form of biorhythms and it's easy what to say, what is physical, emotional, intellectual in a person? Physical, it's our body. Emotional, it's how we feel intellectually. It's basically our thought process. So what happens when you're uh, dealing with something that's not quite tangible in the way that we're used to thinking of tangible? We're talking about a nation. What is physical? Well, what is physical in a nation is its output of durable goods, its strength and readiness of the armed forces how much do we build are we energetic in our activities and expressions such as are we doing disco dancing or are we falling back on the more subdued ballroom dancing um how uh, do we have a trend for physical fitness or do we have high numbers of people being overweight and out of shape are we even consuming more red meat or or less And these things all move together in the same highs and lows of our 28-year physical cycle. Times we're more physical than not. There are times when we are more prone to be territorial and uh, be ready to fight with another nation and times when we are not. This has a lot to do with our physical highs and lows. 28 years. Yes. So that's physical in a nation. Now, what is emotional for a nation? It's the mood of the nation. And the nation does have a mood. If, when we look back on this, let's just say the 1960s. Let's go back just to the last half century. So. <clears throat> that was obviously a very emotionally high time and a very high time intellectually. Well, indeed, our, both the emotional intellectual cycles peaked in the 1960s. And so people were coming out into the sun, very colorful and wearing tie-dye clothing. And it was make love, not war. Well, the physical right. cycle was low. In, in I remember 1960s. those days well, Dave, and I'm still trying to follow through on that. Well, yes, and you do. Well, this is all part of what a better world is, and you're putting that into action. This is why I've been a fan of a better world for a long <laughs> time. And when you have a an emotional high time uh, in the mood of the nation and the physical low time, which means less fight, which is exactly what we had in the 1960s. It's make love, not war, be emotional, not yes. physical, but you move on. And by uh, somewhere in the 1960s, those cycles reversed 
and uh, the down with the establishment movement, which is be non-materialistic, because physical, got replaced by yuppies who are saying, let's be materialistic. Let's earn a living, wear suits, cut our hair, and drive BMWs, because that was physical. Now, what about the romanticism of the 1980s? Well, that was in decline, and so was intellectualism. The 70s and the 80s were almost the reverse of the 1960s. Then we come into the 1990s, and uh, there you had a time when all of the cycles were low for a while. Um, in the late uh, latter 80s and going into the 90s. And we call people coming from that time as Generation X. Why the X? Well, but there was no distinguishing characteristics, said the author of the book, Generation X. So we're just going to give them X for we don't know how to define them because they just don't seem to have their own personality. Now, that's, I don't hold that true for individuals coming out of that time. But that was the perception of the generation characteristics until you get to the turn of the century. Um, now, by the turn of the century, uh, in 2000, by the time 2000 hit in the United States, all the cycles were high. And we had the biggest expansion that we ever saw. Um, Taken in the federal government, the uh, Bush administration, Bush 43, expanded government more than all of the presidential administrations in American history combined. Combined. Really? More. More than that. Word. And he was Republican, right? What about small government? Uh, he, and he, was, he was Republican. Um, and I, my, my personal analysis is that uh, he was appealing to a Democrat Congress during his first term with eyes set on re-election. And so these were uh, Democrat bills uh, that uh, got some Republican support, no veto. And um, then the expansion was massive. Now, as extraordinary as it may have seemed to have a, a, an expansion of that magnitude, here's what followed. Uh, during the, term, the administration of President Obama, President Obama, uh, that administration expanded the size and spending of government more than all other previous presidential administrations combined, including Bush 41, who that administration alone had exceeded all presidential administrations combined. So imagine the size of the expansion there. Right. So um, now, uh, yeah, it's uh, federal government's five times the size it was in the 1950s. Now, um, that comes into the decade that we're in now. And now the cycles are not high. And as of very recently, all three of them are low. And what you're seeing now, um, let's look at it politically, you're seeing an administration that says we have to cut back, cut back, cut spending, cut spending, cuts more, and then cut that. And then after that, let's get together and find out what we didn't cut. Um, and this is a trend that you're going to see continue. Now, but anyway, I'm digressing because I was defining what was emotional. Emotional is the mood of a nation. Physical is what we build and how we are physically, territorially, um, and, um, you know, in terms of materialism, all right? And intellectually, mm -hmm. intellectually, to get back to what are these three? Intellectually, it's basically how smart we are. When you look at um, SAT tests of students, they rise and fall, rather consistent with the intellectual cycle of 33 years. Now, I mentioned the 60s before. In the 60s, we elected an intellectual from New England for president, John F. Kennedy, who I thought was a very brilliant man. Um, and, uh, but 
uh, by the 1980s, the intellectual cycle was low. And so we weren't really looking for idealism in leadership as much as we were in the 60s. And we weren't looking for intellectualism as much as we were in the 1960s uh, because the emotional and intellectual were high. I mean, excuse me, they were high in the 60s and they were low in the 80s. But the physical cycle was then high. And so we were looking for strength, uh, rebuilding an industry and national defense. And then that's when we had uh, the public elect, the Reagan administration. Reds ran very strong on these issues. And so you see the selection of the public reflects the position of the cycles at the time. Mm-hmm. This is the mind, mm-hmm. the heart, and the body of a nation. This is what's physical. This is what's emotional. This is what's intellectual in a nation. It's a little bit different than in a person, but the correlation, when you think about it, can make sense. So what? Yes, indeed. So where are we now? I've, you've given us a good sense of the historic picture and laid out why things are the way they are to some extent um, historically. But how about now? What are we looking at in terms of today's um, pitch of the emotional cycle, intellectual, physical, and spiritual, as it occurs in 2018, February, in the United States? Likely to have a decline. Uh, What's happening now? Meaning a decline in what? Everything. Uh, in terms of expansion, in terms of uh, the mood of the nation, in terms of performance of students, in terms of economically. And um, so what, what's happening here is that you're seeing the record highs that came um, in the stock market shortly after the presidential election. But these things, uh, and you're seeing investments, and Apple is bringing billions of dollars worth of business and jobs back into the United States. You have a repatriating mm-hmm. um, trend in cycles, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, in businesses coming back. But uh, this is a short-lived bump, I think, uh, because what happened is that uh, what the Obama administration could not get through Congress, it rolled with executive order um, and some of those um, executive orders, uh, according to small business owners, making growth difficult and actually causing many of them to go out of business and healthcare practitioners to go out of business, uh, private businesses of all kinds. So uh, the Trump administration has struck down those executive orders uh, massively. And there is, there's so many executive orders that have been uh, canceled that few people in the public know how many have been made gone. At the same time, mm-hmm. It's put in some policies that uh, may be acting as incentives. This is my perception of this. This is not cycle speaking. This is my perception. <laughs> now, um, but from a cycle's point of view, the, what is it that you see? The cycle's see? point of view is calling for it to go down. And that's why when I see this expansion, uh, this improvement in the economy, um, I, for one, uh, this is my analysis of cycle speaking, not my personal view, um, that it, it could likely be short-lived and that the overall trend is to go down and that the physical cycle will bottom out in 2020. Uh, the emotional cycle bottoms out this year. Uh, the intellectual cycle is in the process of going into the low half as well. That's putting us in a three-way low with two bottoms happening in two of the cycles within the next two years. This is, Mike, mm. this is 
this is industrial bottoming that we're we're going into. The mood of the so nation that means is going to economic. Be if there's an industrial bottoming, then there is an indu- there is an economic downturn. To the rhetoric that says America first, and uh, we're building a strong economy and all that. So that's all uh, essentially a bunch of fluff and facade. Is that what I'm hearing? No, uh, what you're seeing in the economy is is real. Uh, these investments are real. Um, uh, the incentives are real. Um, I'm, there's nothing I perceive as being a false hope. And the reason why is because false hope usually is a mistake that we make during an emotional high when uh, the other cycles don't support a strong economy. Sometime we could talk about what happened in 1929, which was entirely predictable. Um, what we are seeing is real, uh, but what I'm expecting is that you are not relatively short-lived, and that uh, the direction, the trend, will be replaced not by a crash but by a slow downturn. And that slow mm-hmm. downturn, I expect, will hit a bottom in two years, and then make a gradual recovery. I'm and will that recovery, session. from the point of view of the world stage? Will that recovery bring us back to where we were? Will it be a lower, lesser position? How does that look in the world context? Okay. Now you asked a wonderful question, and I'm glad we got to it here, three quarters of a way through the talk, as it were. And that is the world stage. In terms of the United States, we're going to go up and down I mean, on the little cycles that we travel on all the time. Yeah. As as will every other nation. We're going through ups and downs that last decades. Like I said, 28 years, 36 years, 30, um, 44 years in our cycles internally. Every other nation does, is doing the same thing from the time they're born. Mm-hmm. But on the world stage, remember there's a fractal relationship. Just as we can find biorhythms in a person of so many weeks found in a nation are these cycles of so many decades, guess what? They're found again in the entire world history, so many centuries. And Mm -hmm. that there is a grand physical cycle in world history, an emotional cycle, and an intellectual cycle in world history influencing all of the nations. So while we are going um, up and down on our smaller cycles, it's like waves on rising and falling tides. And the tides are the centuries-long cycles appearing again, influencing the whole world. And to answer your question, not so briefly, but to answer your question, (laughs) um, I believe that the United States as a world power will continue to see some decline and eventually go the way of Great Britain which is still Great Britain, but at one time the sun never sets on the British Empire and pretty much they laid claim uh, to this land during the European invasion. Uh, Pardon me for my non-PC terminology, Uh, Mm -hmm. but uh, they don't own this uh, as they claim they did and uh, they don't own a lot of things. Well, the United States rose and became a world leader during a world physical high. That Mm -hmm. world physical high gave us the industrial revolution, and we were the king and the capital of that. 
Yes. But now the world has changed, and that cycle is low, and the world is in a physical low. Now, while we have, we're not a one-trick pony as a nation, we have great emotional and intellectual strengths. But because most of our um, mood and, and ingenuity is mechanized and industrialized and put into the material world, uh, I do believe that we will no longer be considered the number one nation, and that's easily predictable. You don't need cycles to figure that out. Uh, mm-hmm. And what's going to happen is that the other cycles that were low throughout the Industrial Revolution are high now. And that is the great yeah. emotional cycle in the world and the great intellectual cycle in the world. So mm-hmm. um, these are cycles of 332-year physical, 430, 338 physical, 432-year emotional, and 528-year intellectual. So if those cycles are rising, uh, guess who's going to ri- continue to rise uh, with the emotional cycle? You're going to see a lot of nations in Africa and the subcontinent of India oh. rise with yeah. the emotional cycle. And the intellectual cycle... I was going to say Asia, but there. maybe it's in <laughs> you got particular. It. Yeah. Yeah, you got it. Uh, yeah. the, the rise of uh, Asia, um, China's rise and fall coincides through history with the 528-year intellectual cycle. So, so what there, then, Dave, in light of all of this, I want you to be a little bit more micro now, if you would. What should we be looking out for in a very practical way with the – calorithmic understanding at our back, uh, moving us along through the trends and winds of history, what and the future, what should we be mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually prepared for? Here's a little bit of over uh, the course, forecast. Over the course, I should say, of the next three, six, nine, twelve months, and then the next year, two, three, four, five, give or take. No crises uh, are, are, are for us. We've been through no crises. crises on. No, um, we've been through crises. Would you consider the Trump time? administration? And I'm not saying this facetiously, despite all of our political discussions over time. But seriously, do you see? I'm apparently you don't see the chaos that is generated at home and worldwide by the Trump administration, not as a crisis. Even as it relates to, even, let me just finish this, even as it relates to what he has uh, declared as the wish to build up a new nuclear um, kind of arsenal uh, to the tune of one point, Two trillion dollars. By the way, that's really a carry over from the Obama administration. Make no mistake about it. But his also toying with North Korea and with other nations as well. So, from a calorithmic point of view, that is not considered any kind of crisis. Nor will a crisis erupt from it. There is a point in the cycle where it will go through a crisis. Um, it's when it crosses the middle point, not the peak and not the trough, but when it crosses from low to high and from high to low, 
And if you look through uh, economic recessions, emotional upsets, um, what you have, um, even some collapses, they happen quite often during a crossover in the cycles. Now take, for instance, the intellectual cycle, 33 years. Uh, When that crossed up out of the low in 1995, uh, we had a crisis of decision. Uh, this was a. This is not a physical or an emotional. This is a conceptual crisis. And what happened mm-hmm. is the we had a historic shutdown of the federal government over budget disputes. Um, we had Republicans in Congress disagreeing with Democrats in Congress. They wanted to increase spending, and the Republicans said that by law you have to stop the spending and balance the budget. And and said until we come to an agreement on the bill then uh, we shut down the government. That's just the way we do it now. And it was shut down for many days. And, uh, and they finally came to an agreement. Now, what's interesting, um, half the cycle later... Well, we're looking at the same thing years. right this moment. We're on the brink of another right. shutdown as of tomorrow. We are... And we have a president a- who actually said, much to everybody's uh, shock and uh, awe, should I say, (laughs) but chagrin. Let's shut down the government. What president says such things? But commentary aside, let's shut down the government because the Democrats are not abiding by what I think should happen with immigration. So let's just shut the darn thing down. So anyway, please go on. This is consistent with cycles. This is where we are right now. We're currently in a crossover and will remain in a year-long crossover until the first day of spring. So in the forecast, no crisis. The present, we're in a crisis now. Uh, It's very interesting. See, a year begins uh, with the following day of spring. It doesn't matter what we say on our calendars. Um, Mm -hmm. A year begins with spring. And uh, so from spring of 2017 to spring of 2018, we are in a downward intellectual crossover. So a uh, very interesting time for a new administration to start uh, on, a, on an intellectual crossover year that's quite rare. And what mm-hmm. happens, it's one uh, conceptual dispute, one political dispute after another. And just like the last time the cycle was crossing upward when we had a shutdown over the budget, uh, we have a downward crossover in the cycle, and guess what? We have another shutdown in the government. And the, here you're seeing the intellectual cycle at play. Now, you mentioned other things about um, the expansion for military spending. It's going to be a very tough uphill climb because to get that and getting uh, building the wall uh, on the southern border uh, to stop uh, illegal immigration. I'm coming across the border. It's going to be very tough to get that through uh, because the physical cycle is low. The, um, and when the physical cycle is low, as I mentioned before, uh, military spending and readiness and expansion, they go just the opposite. Uh, they mm-hmm. decline. And mm-hmm. uh, literally, walls go up and down with a physical high, and that's low. So it's going to be hard for the president to get these policies enacted, uh, the station of the cycles is saying that he's going to get some of what he wants, but not all of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of us and in our individual lives, and, and that's, yes. because, that's because of cycles. 
Uh, it's not a political opinion. That's a political analysis. Now, uh, mm-hmm. in terms of our lives right now, uh, things um, – we're coming out of the intellectual crisis, and things are going to be moving rather slowly. But be very careful about trying to expand anything in your personal life. If, you are, mm-hmm. uh, if you're a small business owner, for instance, uh, be very cautious about trying to expand into anything new because the mood of the country is to cut back and to recede. And uh, things are going to hit a bottom, I think, in two years. Things are going to slow down. Don't take risks. Play it safe. Now, if you want to invest uh, in the long term, 2020 is an absolutely ideal time to invest in real estate in the United States. Mm -hmm. Uh, Buy buy in 2020 and sell uh, in 2034. 2035. <laughs> yeah. I like that long-term planning. What if you have some real estate that you want to sell right now? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, uh, the, the value of that real estate is likely to go down for another two years. So um, if you get it, if you're trying to sell and you have what you think is a satisfactory offer to sell it, sell it immediately. Yes. Um, the chances of you doing any better in the next few years are slim. It can happen. Every case is unique. I'm speaking in general terms, and I'm speaking on historical analysis. But mm-hmm. not a good time if you're if you're selling. Yes, interesting. That's very helpful. Now, I do recall you telling me that the emotional uh, line is on the rise, which would give us uh, down. a down and the and. It's down. It's it's on the uprise in the world, and it's uh, the uh, centuries-long cycles uprise in the world. I'm sorry, I may have broken in the wrong point, but uh, the, okay. the world trend. But the national. The trend world is trend up. is emotional up, but yeah. the yeah. U.S. trend is emotional down. Yeah, yeah. With everything yeah, else, actually. So yeah. interesting. Yeah. So. With the emotional trend upward um, internationally. That does hearken in a sense of greater understanding, patience, consideration, respect, love, compassion. Is that so? Absolutely. Positively, yes. And a rise of of femininity, a rise of women, Mm -hmm. a rise of romanticism, a rise in the the anima. Absolutely. Uh, because the feminine the feminine rises principle. with the emotional cycle, and the masculinity rises with the physical cycle. So these the physical exactly. Uh, so it's so interesting. We yeah. here then in the United States are going through a period that also accords with astrological um, sensibility, as far as I know, where the idea of the rising tigers of the east are coming. You mentioned India especially, but clearly Mm -hmm. China has been in the lead very much. Uh, India is close behind, if you want to think of it that way. Uh, But these two giants are roaring, these tigers. And the United States is almost whimpering now, caught up in its own um, endless bureaucracy about everything is dealing with this whole issue of um, the Me Too movement and sexual assault and the differences, the difficulties, the challenges, the conflicts between men and women that have been long underneath the surface have now come out 
And the United States is going through its own, you know, form of divorce crisis, if you will. And it's interesting, in light of the larger panorama of the planet, um, we're like sort of like uh, hibernating and licking our wounds from having been, I would put it, you know, and this is an opinion, this is in cycles, uh, having been so aggressive and so outwardly focused for so long, seeking to control and manage um, all aspects of the entire world, especially economically and politically, that it's like a time of yin, it's a time of retreat for the United States while the other nations begin to shine in a way they haven't for hundreds, perhaps actually thousands of years. I agree. And um, internally, there is, we're in a stage of a cycle where we look back and reform and, and the United States. It happens that mm-hmm. all three of the cycles are in that, in that stage right now, which is ex- quite rare to have all three cycles in a period of reform at the same time, which means this is one of the strongest times of reform in our history. And that's why you're seeing, uh, well, look at the news regarding sexual abuse. And I don't have to give the individual cases. Just pick up tomorrow's newspaper and read six of them. And then read the paper next week, and there will be a dozen more. Uh, This is a self-correction. Looking back and sorting out the good and the bad of your past is a part of the cycle. And that's what we're doing. But uh, as far as what you said in terms of the world thing, the tigers from the east – India and uh, uh, the Orient, um, and we're going to hear more from Africa. These tigers, these roars that we hear now are just the first mumblings of a tiger that's blinking its eyes from the light, from the new dawn of day. Uh, wait until the day goes on. It's going to roar even more. And then that next sure. country, uh, you're going to hear them roar from the mountaintop. And uh, the United States uh, is not going to be the winner in all of this because powers, uh, lawyers, guns, and money aren't going to rule the world in the next two centuries. Uh, Might make right isn't the call in the revolving spotlight of time in the next two centuries. It's going to be more of a time of cooperation and compassion and a new age of reason. The United States will still exist, but it won't be the leader. Wow-wee. David Katzmeier, quite a calorithmic story, I tell you. It's exhilarating, it's daunting, and I believe it is true. (laughs) So thank you for your good work over the course of so many years and your contribution to a better world in so many ways. And Tyriel is a true, true contribution that you're making to the world at large. And we here at A Better World just very much appreciate your scholarship your thoughtfulness um, and your willingness to share it with uh, with our audience. So, truly, thank you so much. Thank you, Mitchell. Thank you for your work in a better world. Uh, I give thanks to you and your work. I give thanks to being in the United States and an American, and uh, I'm thankful for the media that we have to put out this kind of analysis so we can have different ideas and a mix of never-changing, ever-correcting, ever-moving-forward world and i'm a big fan of a better world (laughs) thank you again my friend we will talk again soon thank you mitchell absolutely
that was David Katzmeyer of the Colorhythms, and you really got a good sense of the thoroughness and the comprehensiveness of this particular worldview and what it consists of. And remember what David said at the earlier stage of the of the show that it is really all based on a person's personal biological biorhythms, and out of that he, in observing that, was able to then deduce and infer how these cycles operate, these rhythms operate on larger scales, such as nations and such as the world at large. And in fact, he can really go from nation to nation and give an assessment of the intellectual, emotional, physical, and spiritual cycles in each, as he did, focused on the United States today, because after all, we are Americans, and we really wanted to know what it is that is going on right here in our own home country. So nonetheless, that does have an impact on everywhere, and so our international audience um, hope you found that interesting as well because at the end of the day we are a species and we are all interacting with each other and we want that interaction to be as fruitful as possible and not to be identified solely by our national identities. That would be way too limiting for us here at A Better World and at the same time it's good to have a, uh, a rich assessment of what's possible and what's going up and what's going down from a political point of view, from an economic point of view, so you can be guided uh, smartly about making good investments and investing as well as your heart and soul in your lives. So I want to thank you all for listening. And remember that we are a 501c3. That means a nonprofit organization. And we survive and sustain based on your kindness, thoughtfulness, and generosity. So please think of us, and you can go to our website. We have a, a PayPal account right there, and you're most welcome to make a donation of any size because we appreciate the intent every bit as much as we appreciate the dollar value. So please know that I also offer a series of counseling, coaching, and stress management services. You can always contact me for couples counseling and individual business coaching as well. I look forward to seeing you all next week. Music.